If you got your Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And um, I'm going to read us through uh, this morning's portion of Scripture and then um, pray for us. And then we're going to kind of work back through the same verses and just um, allow God to speak to us through His Word. When the Bible speaks, God speaks, we believe. Acts, chapter 1, and verse... One. It says this, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus, we, we keep on asking for your Holy Spirit. I'm aware of my weakness and I pray for your strength, for your clarity to proclaim your word. Help us to see you afresh this morning, to make much of you and what you are doing and what you're inviting us to. And we pray all of this in your name. And everyone said? Awesome. I want to see if this can get up a little bit higher. Okay, great. All right, everyone. Well, welcome to One Tribe. And if you're new here, a special welcome to you. My name is Mbonisi, and I am part of the team of pastors or team of elders, as we call them, here at One Tribe. And um, it really is great to have you here. And I want to welcome you all to the start of our series through the book of Acts. And um, for uh, some months to come, we're going to be going through the book of Acts, and um, it's, a, it's an incredible book. We're going to be taking breaks from it from time to time to talk about different things. But um, 
we're going to dive straight into Acts chapter 1, verse 1, which tells us, as often books in the New Testament do, a little bit more about the book of Acts. Acts 1, verse 1 says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So we're going through the book of Acts, and in this first verse we see a guy called Theophilus who has had something written to him by a guy who isn't named in this verse, but the book of Acts is written by a gentleman called Luke. Who is Luke? Well, Luke is actually a traveling companion of a man called Saul who later changed his name to Paul and who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And uh, after Paul, Luke would have written the uh, next biggest amount of the New Testament because Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. And that was, if you like, part one. It was the prequel. And um, it must have been a bestseller because he then went on to write the sequel, which is the book of Acts. And we can view the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts as two parts really of the same story. It's one story. And Luke would have been a traveling companion of Paul who comes along in chapters um, uh, 7, 8, and 9 of the story, and we'll get there over the weeks to come. He would have been a traveling companion of Paul, and Luke, we also know one thing about him that's interesting, is that he was a medical doctor, and uh, I like him because of that, because doctors are good people. I find him relatable, and uh, I think that you will too as the weeks go by. So that's who's writing this. It's Luke. He's a medical doctor. He was a traveling companion, a good friend of Paul, and he's writing to a guy called Theophilus. Theophilus it means literally Theo, God, Phyllis, beloved. So it means beloved of God or friend of God. And people uh, reckon that Theophilus would have been a wealthy believer and he may have been the one who sponsored Luke's writing. And so as Luke went around in Luke, in the book of Luke, we, uh, Luke says that I went around and I, I, I interviewed people got facts together so that you could know the story of who Jesus was, what he began to do and to teach. And as that would have cost money and he may have been sponsored by this guy, Theophilus. Or it may be that Theophilus was a judge who was about to hear Paul's case in Rome. And Luke may have been writing, some believe, we don't know this for sure, may have been writing to present the case for Christianity before Theophilus. These are some things you need to know before you officiate at the hearing where Paul is going to stand before you in the near future. We don't know that for sure. But I'd love us to just talk a little bit about why. Why was Luke writing to Theophilus? And why is it important that you and I as a church study the book of Acts? Well, there, there are two or three reasons, two or three answers to that question. The first answer is that right now as one tribe, we're in a very interesting season because a pandemic hit March 11 months ago and um, then a lot changed. We did everything, pretty much everything online. And uh, as we start physically meeting again, in some ways, it's not quite like this, in some ways, it feels like we are restarting or rebooting as a church. And at a time like this, to see the story of the first church, the early church, it's a great thing for us to, to, to get into the atmosphere of the early church in the book of Acts. 
And our prayer since this church was planted four or five years ago has always been that the atmosphere of this church, one tribe, would feel like the book of Acts. That when you look at one tribe, it would look like we see in the book of Acts. That when you listen to our meetings or to our messages, that it would sound like the book of Acts. And so this is a great foundational time for us as a church, relaying foundations. And Acts will serve us very well in that. But Luke wrote this book to Theophilus or for Theophilus. And underneath it all, he wanted Theophilus to know that the story of Christianity is true. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure if the story of Christianity is true or you're not sure if, um, or you have friends and they're not sure if the story of Christianity is true, I want to commend the next few weeks to you. I want to commend this book of Acts to you because it was a book written to show that the story of Christianity is true. And the last reason that we want to go through the book of Acts, or the last thing I want us to bear in mind as we go through the book of Acts, why, why are we going through the book of Acts? Well, we're going to go through the book of Acts. It's not going to be an academic exercise. If, if you like, uh, I heard one preacher put it this way. He said that we're going to go through the book of Acts not as scholars, but as soldiers. Don't you love that? I wonder if some of you could put your most scholarly look on your face. And that's one way of reading the book of Acts. It's, it's interesting and it's literary and so on. But we don't think that that was the atmosphere in which Luke wrote it. Luke actually wrote this book to enlist you and I on the greatest mission there is or ever will be. He wrote this book to enlist you. And that changes the way you read something. When I was in medical school, uh, you'd spend uh, five years before they let you out to practice. But even that, the first two years of that, is a, year six and seven are also training. But the first two or three years, what's really tough is they don't let you near a patient. You're reading books and you're studying books and, 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 and it's study, test, study, test, study, test. And it's hard to see the connection between what you're studying and how it's relevant to becoming a doctor. And so you'll be reading about this nerve that passes behind there and then it goes in there and it does that and you're thinking, oh man, I've got to study this for a test and it's boring. <sighs> but then a few years later, when you have a patient in front of you, and they put the scalpel in your hand and they say it's time to do what you've been taught. You know what your first question is? Where was that nerve again? And you run back to the book and say, I've got to find that nerve. It goes where? And it does what? And, it, and it, Because in a few minutes, I've got, I've, I've, got, I've got to put what I've learned into practice. So I want to encourage us as we go to the book of Acts. We're not doing it as a scholarly exercise. When we read about people selling their houses and giving all they have to the poor, we're going to say, what does that mean for us as a church? When we read about Stephen proclaiming the gospel in Jerusalem until they stoned him to death, we've got to ask, what does that mean for you 
soldier? What does it mean for me? So that's what we have this by way of introduction. And um, in our remaining time, I want to cover four things. I want to look at the man. I want to look at the mission. I want to look at the message. And I want to look at the method. We're going to move quite fast. But uh, of these, um, three or four of them end with, with a question by way of application. It's a question for you. And as we talk about the man, really the question is, who's the man? Susan, you with me there? Awesome. Thought you would. Who the man? You heard that? Is that still a cool thing to say or am I dated? Chris, help me. Is it dated? Okay. I tried. Who's the man? What's going on here? Well, in the opening verses of the book of Acts, Luke says to Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that Jesus was taken up to heaven after Jesus gave instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles Jesus had chosen. The book of Acts is about Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's how we know it won't be boring. That's how we know it's going to be life transforming because it's all about Jesus. And this book, you've heard me say before, if you've been here any length of time, this book is all about Jesus. Jesus, one of my favorite preachers, his name is Spurgeon, and he said that every verse in this book, the Bible points to Jesus. And one day, a lady at the back said to him, Mr. Spurgeon, Mr. Spurgeon, my verse doesn't point to Jesus. To which Spurgeon replied, well then, ma'am, please move quickly to the next one, because that one will point to Jesus. This is a book about Jesus And by implication, he is the main actor in the story. Okay? Why is that important? Because you and I are programmed to live our lives like we are the main actor in the story. Like we're on stage, the spotlight's on us, we've got mic number one, and everything revolves around us. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then chances are you've never had children. Do you know that? You carry them for nine months, and when they arrive, they're like, this is my house now. If I'm hungry at two o'clock in the morning, why? And mom's got to get up. And dad's got to get up. From our arrival, we're like, this thing revolves around me. And we might grow out of the crying at two o'clock in the morning, maybe. Oh, but it follows us through life. It's about my career and my relationships and my health and how am I doing and what are my dreams. If that's you, then... You're the man or the woman. And I want to be honest with you. If you're new, don't take this the wrong way. I talk like this sometimes. If you're the hero of the story, it might be worth watching for like 60 seconds. Is that how long TikTok is? Yeah, there's a reason we put a 60-second timer on there. It's because we don't want to watch you for more than 60 seconds. 
You're like, oh, I can do these jokes and I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are the lead actor in the movie, it's not going to sell many tickets. Now, Tom Hanks, on the other hand, we can watch for a little bit longer. You know what I'm talking about? Brad Pitt and all the ladies said, glory to God. We can watch him for a little bit longer. Well, it's, if, if this story, this story, if, if this story revolves around you, then it's not much of a story. But friends, this is the greatest epic that there ever was. And it affects every man, woman, and child who can hear the sound of my voice. There can only be one main actor, and his name is Jesus. And so as we approach the book of Acts, part of it is saying, what? I'm not going to come to the book of Acts and, 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 and try fit myself in as the center of the story, but I'm going to look at what Jesus is doing. And when we figure that out, then you've got the plot, and then you and I figure out, okay, if that's what Jesus is doing, then how do I fit my life around that? So the first question is, be honest with yourself now, in your life, who the man? Who's the woman? If it's you, it may not amount to anything of eternal significance. First question is, who's the man? And the second question relates to mission. And Acts, as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to be tracking Jesus. Every page is full of him. But we're also going to be figuring out what is the mission. And the question that is before you and I this morning, who the man? You the man? You the woman? He the man? Or is it my mission? Or is it his mission? Acts confronts you and I with this question. Jesus, he suffered and died for the sins of the world. And then he rose from the dead and he spends 40 days convincing them that he is life. And he's telling them about the kingdom of God that comes and changes everything. And he's telling them about the Holy Spirit's power from on high to transform you and I. And then verse 6 is awesome, verse 6. So when the disciples met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, the disciples asked some bad questions in their time. And it's like before Jesus goes back to heaven, we've got one more really bad question to ask. It reminds me of the great theologian, uh, Luke Skywalker, who said, <laughs> one of my favorite bits in Star Wars, is Skywalker, he's talking to, uh, to Kylo Ren, I think it is, or, or to Ren. And uh, he says, he stops, he listens to what they say. And then he says, it's up on the screen, amazing. Every word that you just said, is wrong. <laughs> That's how Jedi's talk. Calvin, John Calvin, the great Bible teacher, he looks at this question at this question and he says, you know what? There are as many errors in that question as there are words. We could spend all day talking about how bad a question this is. But I just want to pull out one thing. Jesus, he's talking about how he's risen from the dead. The kingdom is coming. The Holy Spirit is about to be poured out. 
And then the disciples come and they say, Jesus, that's, that's all great. Listen, everyone's wondering. And so we just thought we'd come bring it to you. All of us really are wondering. It's not just me. All of us are wondering. You know, the Romans are still pushing us around. Is that the time that you're going to sort out this Roman problem and restore the kingdom to Israel? What they were basically saying is that Jesus, uh, it's yeah, your, your mission, your, your spirit, okay, and kingdom, okay. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. But listen, that, that's all well and good, Jesus, all the best with that. But back to our mission, back to my mission, are you going to restore Israel, kick the Romans out, and give us our land back? That's really what we want to know. You know, you and I are a lot like the disciples. At least I am. Because even in church life, I can bring it back to, to my mission. God, this is my plan. This is what I want. This is what, what I, I feel called to. This is what I'm passionate about. And so God, just um, would, would you talk about that a little bit? Because your kingdom, your mission is great, but would you talk about that? But friends, as Luke wants to enlist you and I this morning, as we go through the book of Acts, the question that is before, that, before us, is this about your mission or is it about his mission? Ah, I can feel what's going on over here. I can feel that some of you are thinking, preacher man, I've got this one nailed because I work at a Christian hospital or I work at a Christian school or believe it or not, I am here as a missionary. I've got this down and I want to say I'm not so sure that it's automatic because I can talk to you as a pastor in a church and say this, you can be pastoring in a church and suddenly it, be, suddenly it becomes my mission, not his mission. Does that make sense? You can be doing Christian work and all of a sudden the work of the Lord becomes more important than the Lord of the work and all of a sudden it's your mission again. And I want to encourage us one tribe as a church to gather around scripture and as we do that to, to ask God, God, just give us clarity on what is your mission, what does it look like? Because if it doesn't look like the book of Acts, then we, we might have some things we need to adjust and learn. And Jesus replied to them, he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And the whole churches and all seminars and whole Christian ministries can be built around. This is when Jesus is coming back. And if you divide that by that, and then you take the number of the beast and the square root of that, then what you get is this. And so Jesus is coming back. And don't worry, it's going to be before or after the tribulation. Spend hours discussing this. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses because yes, it's all about me and it's not about you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is a summary and it's got, it kind of captures what we're going to talk about over the coming months. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's what we see in Acts 1 through 7. And Judea and Samaria, and that's Acts 8 and 9. And then to the ends of the earth, that's Acts 13 to 28. And that's where you and I caught up the story. Disciples were thinking Israel. Jesus said, no, 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 don't just think Israel. Think Jerusalem, yes. Then Judea and Samaria, that's all of Israel, but it's going to go bigger than you ever dreamed. The ends of the earth. One of my favorite uh, pictures from uh, John Piper, in one of his books, he talks about... Uh, there's a ship somewhere in the world, and um, in the Second World War or something like that, it was, well, it started off as a cruise liner. And so it was designed for banquets and for, for wealthy people to, to sail around the world. And then there came a time where the nation where it was built was, the nation where it was built was, uh, 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 in a time of war, the Second World War or something like that, and they converted this ocean liner to a battleship. And then after the war was over and it was getting too old to be on the sea, they, they transformed this into a museum. And what they did is they, they, would, they, they did one side of the ship. They had it up from its ocean liner days, so nice napkins and, 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 and banquet tables and things like that. And then they would draw a line down the middle of the room, and then the other side of the room, they had it from its battleship days, stripped onto battle. Metal plates and, 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 and uh, beds you can fold up. This thing is built for go, not for show. Chalk and cheese... And friends, that's a picture of how differently we can view Christianity. Act as a call to strip down for battle. Luke wrote this book to enlist you and I. So that's the man, that's the mission. Two more M's, then we're done. You still okay? You still with me? Yes. All right. Oh, this is cool. The message. The message, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke wrote this, that you and I would know that Christianity was true. And I just don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, but you may wonder, or you may have friends who wonder, is this whole deal true? And sometimes when we read stories about people rising from the dead, and then after that, they kind of ascend to the stars like Buzz Lightyear or something, we can think, I'm not sure about all of this. Did this really, really happen? Because back then they were superstitious. Back then they didn't understand science and, 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 and they, they might come up with strange stories. But this is it's so, so interesting that the Bible says that Jesus appeared to them and the Bible says that he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, did you ever stop and think, why did Jesus have to give them many convincing proofs that he was alive? Well, the answer is because they were a lot like you and I. They were like, I know I saw him yesterday and I put my fingers where the wounds were, but it can't have been. And Jesus appears again and Thomas is still like, I'm not so sure. Can I, can I touch again? Can I, can I? So over 40 days, Jesus gave them many proofs that he was alive because friends, 
The Christian life isn't about blind faith and throwing your common sense out the window. Jesus presented proofs to them that Christianity is open to interrogation. You can ask whatever questions you like of Jesus and of Christianity because it stands up to scrutiny like nothing else does. And I love the fact that these stories that we're reading, they involve, they involve fishermen. This was noted down by a medical doctor. These were not the kinds of people prone to make stories up. But these are people who live in the real world, world like you and I do. He gave them proof. Not just that, he gave them convincing proof. He appeared. They saw him with their eyes. He spoke to them for 40 days. They heard him with their ears. He, he, he ate with them. It's like we, we made 12 portions of food and they were gone. We can see the fish bones that he left behind. Ghosts don't eat fish. But he was showing them through all of their senses, I am alive. This is our message. It stands up to scrutiny and it's a message that Jesus is alive. In our remaining moments together, We've spoken about the man who's at the center of it all, and his name is Jesus. We've spoken about the mission that he's called us to, and it's bigger than your life. It's bigger than Israel. It's bigger than Kenya. It's about Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and taking this to the ends of the earth. That's why we're praying for Somalia. Have I ever been there? No. Will I ever go there? Maybe not. But Jesus has sent his people there. And if I can't go there, well, I can send my prayers. And who knows, that may be even more powerful in God's hands. The last thing we want to talk about, and really just, just to introduce this theme, I'm just trying to prepare us for the book of Acts. The last thing we want to talk about is the method. And the question here really, and we've touched on at different points of this morning's meeting, is are we going to do this thing in my strength or in his power? On one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. He said, hey, listen, guys, you know, I've been talking about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They said, yes. He said, don't go anywhere until you receive the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. Because remember, remember John, remember my cousin John, how he would baptize people in water. Well, in two days, Jesus said, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as we go through the book of Acts, I want you to keep your eyes on Jesus. And I want you to keep your eyes on what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because you see him coming up in just a, few, just a few verses. We see him coming down on the day of Pentecost. We see him showing up in prayer meetings. We see him showing up in a city. And the deal here is this. I said that we're not going to do this as a theoretical exercise, but as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to be stripping ourselves down as a church for battle. 
responding to Jesus' call to go and make disciples of all nations, like Taylor and Jessica led us through a few moments ago. But we're not going to do it as scholars. At every point, we're going to say, God, if that's what happened in the book of Acts, what does that mean for our lives? So in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be seeing the Holy Spirit coming down on a church and what that looks like on the day of Pentecost. And I want to encourage us, as best you know how, start getting ready to say, God, would you fill me with the same Spirit that came on Peter and James and John on the day of Pentecost? Friends, can you imagine what would happen if God did that with this company? I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh, I know what this is about. You see, some churches are, are charismatic, and those are the churches that think that they're better than other churches because we've got the Holy Spirit and you don't. Yeah. Some people think that when a church talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, it's because they're arrogant, that they've got something that other churches don't. Look, I can't speak for every church, but I can speak for this church. The reason that we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's because we're arrogant. It's because we realize, like Peter, James, and John, that if we're going to play our part in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, there is no way that we can do this in our strength. Does that make sense? If that mission is serious, and if he wants me to enlist, and if I sign up, it's not like, hey, my name's Mbonisi, and uh, you should see my CV, and uh, this is what I've done for Jesus, and because of that, I know that I'm going to be a, a key supporting actor in Jesus' story. No, 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 no. It's I know me, and I know Daniel and Damaris. I know Kate. I know Simba Mutheu, and if we're going to do this, there's no way we can do it in our own strength. <laughs> so God, please give us your Holy Spirit. We want to do this in your power, but not in our strength. What's your experience of the Christian life? Is it, man, yeah, I've, I've tried that, but it doesn't work, or I've worked so hard, but I don't see much change? I want to encourage you to join us on this journey with the man Jesus Christ raised from the dead at the Father's right hand still doing and saying the things he was doing and saying when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago and pouring out his spirit to help you and I believe his message and to give you and I the power that we do not have without him to make him famous in Nairobi and in Kiambu County and across Kenya, even to the ends of the earth. So the final question, I love it. I just love the bit at the end, don't you? Jesus says, and you'll be my witnesses in Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. You can all him uh, lifting off his feet, lifting off the ground, and to the ends of the earth, the earth, the earth, disappears behind a cloud. Peter, James, and John are thinking, what just happened? We've seen him appear and disappear. Maybe this is it. 
What are the implications of what we've experienced for the last 40 days and the last three years? And then there's a cameo appearance from the men in white. Now, I don't know how you read it, but for me, I can't help but think of the men in black. And I think there may be more similarities than we realize. These guys just show up whenever they feel like it. And uh, you'll see them in the book of Acts. They show up for prison breaks, which I think is so cool, and assassinations of dictators and, and bad leaders. These guys are so cool, and they, they kind of show up on the scene. It's kind of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, but dressed in white. And they're like men of Galilee. Why are you standing up? Why are you staring up into the sky? Jesus is coming back. And his marching orders to you and I, if you're a follower of him, are crystal clear. The question is, will you enlist? So I'd love us to stand together. And uh, I'd love us to, to spend the last minute or two of this meeting just waiting on God. And I'll lead us in a prayer. You can be praying your own prayer under your breath. That's, that, that's absolutely fine. We're a people of the Spirit. That means I'm not the mediator between you and God. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. Let's just open our hearts and you can review this brief story in your mind. You can review the scriptures we've gone over. You can review these questions. And God, by his spirit, will convict where perhaps you've been missing it, needs to change. God, you say your word is useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness. By your spirit, would you lay hold of this passage of scripture and apply it to our hearts right now? Who's the man, God? I want to repent of where I've made, I've made it all about me and my family, in my career, in this church. Jesus, we confess it's, it's all about you. You are the man, Jesus Christ. You're at the center of it all. God, thank you for inviting us to be a part of your cast, a part of your team, a part of your army. And Jesus, we want to repent where we've made it about our mission more than about your mission. God, we repent of using your Bible as a kind of personal encouragement manual, which it is in some ways, but more than that, it's marching orders that we submit our lives to. God, we want to repent of seeing the church as something that meets our needs rather than something that we become a part of in your mission for the blessing of the nations. And God, we want to repent of trying to do too much in our own strength and not relying enough on your power. 
So God, we don't enjoy power cuts, for example, but we thank you for this morning's. That you can use even poor infrastructure or whatever happened to expose us sometimes, to strip us bare, to remind us what it's all about. And Jesus, it's all about you. I'd love us to end this morning together by singing this last chorus together. It's a song written by Matt Redman, and uh, it was written at a time where they decided that the band had become too important in their meetings and their big worship leaders. And so they, they went through a season in their church where they, they banned the band. <laughs> Well, we're thankful for our band. I think that they are incredible servant-hearted leaders. But I wonder whether, as we embark on this Acts journey, God wants to strip some things away. Strip away some of that attitude that it's all about us, that it's our mission, that we're going to do in our strength. And he wants to bring us back to the heart of worship. It's all about him. So I wonder if someone could lead us in that song, the chorus of that song, which says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Let's sing together and make this our prayer to God.